0: We're starting a series called Unconditional today, and I'm so excited about it, because we're talking about what I think is actually the most important thing in the world, and that is receiving the unconditional love of Jesus. And we all need that more and more. Today my title is, It's Time to Draw a Line in the Sand. It's Time to Draw a Line in the Sand. Mike, can you help me with my my prop? Uh, what does that mean? You've heard that colloquialism uh, before. What does it mean to draw a line in the sand? It means to set a limit, allow to go up to a point, but no further. It came from originally in, in, in 168 BC, this Macedonian king and his whole army was coming to invade Egypt and to take it over. And at the time Egypt was a Roman province. And so what happens when a whole army comes out? One Roman soldier rides out to meet them. His name was Populus Lannis. And what does he do against this whole entire army? It says he comes and he draws a line in the sand. And he says, don't step across that line unless you surrender or the whole Roman Empire will come against you. Probably the most popular use of this phrase or where it became famous in in America was in uh, my home state where I came from originally. Now I claim California, but I'm originally from Texas. And it came at the Alamo. When 5,000 soldiers were about to take on the little Texas revolutionary 120 soldiers, and, and it's, it, it, you know, they're facing certain defeat, and a captain named William Travis goes, and what does he do? He draws a line in the sand and tells the soldiers, "If you're willing to fight for freedom up until your death, step over this line." And it was the turning point in the Texas Revolution. I wanna look today at a scripture where you actually see the most important person who ever lived do something similar, and it's found in John chapter eight. It says this, at dawn, he appeared, and that's Jesus, again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group And said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, we're commanded to stone such a woman. What do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. He was was actually drawing some lines in the sand. And he says this, When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any of you who's without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard him began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? one, sir. And neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Ah! Oh, I love this! I love this story! Don't you just love Jesus? He's so... Today, my... My, my thesis, my point is this. It's time to draw a line in the sand against condemnation and the accusation of the enemy. Because if there's one thing that trips Christians up from receiving the unconditional love, it's that constant barrage that the enemy and his demons keep telling you over and over again, you're not worthy. You don't deserve it. This is not for you. And today, I want to tell you, people of God, it's time to draw a line in the sand and say, enemy, you can't come any further. Let's look at the first verse. It says, at dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts. Can I just tell you that most of the time our attack comes at night? When did they go and get this woman? In the middle of the night, they're grabbing her in adultery, and they pull her out at dawn. But can I just tell you that the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. At dawn, Jesus appears again. Can I just tell you, every day is a new chance to receive the good grace of God, to receive his love. Every day. You might have messed up yesterday, but today is a new day, and his mercies are here for you today. Then it goes on to say this, where all the people gathered around him, he sat down to teach them. You see that? Look at where Jesus' posture, he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. Do you see this juxtaposition? What is Jesus doing? He's sitting. We, we, we sit. Let's see if I can do this without getting sand all over myself. When we sit, we're at rest and we're relaxed. And yet the teachers and the religious leaders, they make her stand and receive that accusation. Can I just tell you that grace lets us sit. Grace lets us rest. We rest in the finished work of the cross. Religion makes you stand and give account for every single thing that you've ever done and you try to prove yourself and you prove your own righteousness. Men and women, it's time to sit and receive the finished work of the cross. It's time to sit back and say, it's not about me proving myself, it's about what Jesus already did for me on the cross. So the people come up and they start accusing her. She's caught in adultery, I mean, this is, this, is a real, this is a real deal. This isn't something to, to, to blow off. But watch the, watch the religious leaders. It says this in verse 5, In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? Now listen, Christians, we have to be careful because the enemy wants us To to, to be people that accuse. He wants us to be people that start pointing fingers. And there's a religious spirit, and that religious spirit wants to destroy. You see, that religion wants to destroy. These people actually wanted to kill this woman. They actually wanted to take a stone. A stone is hard. The law is hard. If you try to live by the law, it's hard. Now, let me just tell you, that this law about committing adultery, it's not bad, it's good, right? God gave the Ten Commandments and the law to protect people. But it's impossible to fulfill all the law in yourself. You can never measure up. You can never be good enough. So watch what happens next. They say, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. They they know that Jesus is loving. They know that Jesus stands up for for the poor and he stands up for the sinner and he stands up for the tax collector. And so they're wanting to use his kindness against him. They're wanting to destroy him. Do you know that there's people that hate Jesus? Like there's people that hate Jesus. Uh, You know, it's crazy when, when you're just trying, you, you've experienced this at work before, that you're just wanting to love people and you're just wanting to be kind, and, and they come against you. And that's why we have to remember that, that the Scripture says that the, the king of this world, the, the enemy, he, he is influencing people, and people love darkness. So don't be surprised when people come against you. Jesus said, we're not above our master. If they hated me, they'll hate you. So don't be surprised when that happens. So they were looking for a reason to accuse him. I just want to tell you that that people are going to look for a reason to accuse you. And the enemy's going to work overtime trying to accuse you. I talk to people all the time who were like, man, I couldn't sleep last night. I'm just battling with my thoughts all night long. But I want you to see how Jesus comes against condemnation and accusation they were using this as a trap to have a basis for accusing him but Jesus but Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger so what does Jesus do um this is such a weird response like has anyone ever been accused at work or in school and you're like they're just people coming at you and you're like hold on What's he doing? I, I love what, you know, different, different people have different conjectures. And, they, and they, they're like, well, Jesus was writing out each person's sin. You know, he's like, Billy Bob, <laughs> you did this, right? Johnny, I saw you do this, right? Uh, or, or some people say that he was writing out the laws. You know, he's just writing out the Ten Commandments right there. Some people say he's writing out the the different women that they committed adultery with. What, what was he writing? Yeah, we don't know. So what was Jesus doing? Like, why, when people are accusing you, do you get down and start playing Etch-A-Sketch in the dirt? Um, it, it, it's because of John 8. The Bible says that he who belongs to God hears what God says. Or John 5.19. Jesus explained He goes, the father's always at work. Jesus gave them the answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. So in the moment, someone's accusing Jesus, and this isn't like in the Bible. So if you get accused, start writing in the dirt. No, but what is Jesus doing? The Lord gives him a response. The Lord shows him what to do. It's the same reason why there was a blind guy and, and 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 Jesus takes some dirt, spits in it, and puts it in his eyes. You're like, what the heck, Jesus? No, it's because the he's following the Holy Spirit. And what I want to tell you is when people come against you, don't just respond in your flesh. Don't just attack back. No, you stay with Jesus. Yeah, and you let the Holy Spirit lead you. In fact, that's why... The scripture says, don't worry about what you're going to say when you're brought before kings and leaders, because it's not you speaking, it's the Holy Spirit speaking through you. I want to tell you, as a believer, you're never alone. Yeah. You're never alone. Jesus, this woman's being accused, and what does Jesus do? He steps in front of her and starts riding in the dirt. And then he says this, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up. Now Jesus is standing. Now Jesus is standing between the woman and him. He's standing there. He straightens up and says, "This. Let any one of you who is without sin, be the first to throw a stone at her." Um. Once again, so classic Jesus. I I, I just I love Jesus because if you think about it, he's God on earth. And so he could have just said, um, watch this. And like 10,000 angels came and go Wah! and just taken them out, right? Or he could have said, I'm Jesus. And they just fly backwards. Or he could have said, I'm Jesus. Uh, Pharisee Jethro, back when you were three, you were already messing up. And you've already done, and just gone, gone through every single thing this day. But what does he do? Instead, he responds in peace. And he actually just asks them a question so that they have to look at their own hearts. Jesus is constantly responding in spirit and making people search their own hearts. It's beautiful. But I, lo- I, I love that he's standing now between this woman and condemnation. Amen. What does Romans 8, 1 says? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Jesus is standing between this woman and her accusers. I was telling you about my son. Uh, Friday night, was, it was hard for us. Uh, we're at his football game, and he's running the ball and, and, and running it really Well, and he gets hit, and after the play, after the whistle's blown, a guy comes up, and he's bent over backwards, and a guy starts shoving him three times really hard. I have it on film if you want to see it. And um, three times really hard, then two more guys come in and hit him. You can imagine the stadium erupts. They're screaming at this injustice that's done. But you know what I do? I don't just stand in the stadium and scream. I go from the top row, and run down. Parents are looking at me like, what? I run down through the stadium and I run to the bottom of the stadium, but I don't stop at the stadium. I jump onto the track, right? And then I run across the track and then I run to the sidelines and I'm running, I have the film. I'm like, look at this, look at this. And I come up and my son is in pain and he's crying. And you know what I do? I put my arm around him and I say, I am here and I start praying for him. And then I realize, oh, this might be embarrassing for a big high school player that his dad has run out of the stands across the track and onto the side of the field. And I say, son, um, is this embarrassing you? Do you want me to leave? And he goes, no, dad, please stay. And um, you need to know, and I'm I'm just an earthly dad. When you're hurting, when you're accused, when you're condemned, your father runs to you. Jesus runs, and he gets between you and those who condemn. I actually asked him last night. I said, son, do you mind if I share this story? He's like, no, dad, I don't mind at all. You were the one who came and stood with me. I was like, (laughs) Fortunately, the room was dark, and then I left quickly. Um, And I had tears in my eyes. and, and, And I... You know why it touched me so much? Because I'm like, that's what God does for us when people unjustly come against us, when the enemy just starts picking on your mind and saying you're not worthy and you don't deserve it. Jesus says, no, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I will never leave you or forsake you. Lo, I'm with you until the very end of the earth. So he... He says, let those who are without sin cast a first stone. Then what does he do? He's like, if it wasn't enough to do it once, I'm doing it again. <laughs> Starts drawing in the sand again. Can I, can I just tell you, men and women of God, it is time for you to draw a line in the sand and say the enemy's not coming any further. Because of what Jesus did on the cross for me, there is no condemnation it's time when the accusation's coming. And you're saying, I don't, I'm not worthy of being near Jesus. You know, what do you see in the story? You see a woman caught in adultery, and Jesus is standing in front of her, defending her. Good. This is Jesus. This is unconditional. This is experiencing the lavish love of God. Yeah. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. And I tell you, a lot of people are gonna have all kinds of things to say about you. But in the end, only Jesus is gonna be there standing right with you. And at the end of your life, you stand alone before Jesus. And I wanna live to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. At this, those who... Herd began to go away, one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She's looking around. She's like, no one, sir. He goes, neither do I condemn you. What? This woman was caught in adultery. Like, this is one of the big ten, one one of the 10 commandments. She is caught in the act of adultery. How does Jesus say, I don't condemn you for doing one of the, 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 the worst, the baddest, the most ugly sins? Why? Because the Bible says this, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we could die to sin and live for righteousness. It's by his wounds that we are healed. The Bible says, but God demonstrates his love for us that while we were still sinners, while we were still caught in the act of adultery, Christ died for us. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith, not by any works lest a man or woman could boast. It's the free gift of God. How does Jesus say I don't condemn you? Because he took the condemnation. He paid the price. And some of you are going like, yeah, that's awesome. That's how I'm saved. But I want to tell you, we need to preach the gospel and remind ourselves of the gospel to ourselves every day. I'll never forget being a young man. I was a young pastor. I was in my early 30s. And someone asked me a a, a question, and I didn't tell them the truth about it. It wasn't this intentional big thing, but I just didn't, I didn't share the truth. And after, I don't know if this happened to you. I walked away and I was like, I cannot believe I didn't just tell the truth there. Like I'm, I am a Christian and I, that was a lie. That was, and and so of of course I said, God, I'm sorry, but man, over the next days, I just started getting condemned. How can I be a Christian? I didn't even tell the truth. How could I be a pastor? And I didn't tell the truth. And I just started beating myself. I mean, it owned me. Have you ever been owned by condemnation? Like where the enemy's just condemning you over and over again? And I remember sitting down with this this older pastor and telling him the story. And he said, you know what, Robert? You need to preach the gospel to yourself. Like, first of all, have you repented? I said, I repented. He goes, did you make it right with the person that, that you said that to? I went home and wrote a letter apologizing and saying, I'll do whatever it takes to make it right. And I sent that letter. He goes, you, you make it right, but then it's time to receive the grace of God. You don't just receive it once when you get saved. You need to receive it after you wrote, raised your voice at someone because they were a jerk to you or they cut you off on the freeway or, or, or you did something that, that wasn't. Can I just tell you, you'll never be perfect. Christians aren't gonna be perfect, they're just forgiven. Yeah. Wow. So you need to receive that grace of God and when the enemy's saying, how dare you talk to your coworkers about Jesus because you're not perfect. You know what you tell the enemy? You're right, I'm not perfect. But Jesus is perfect and he took my place and it's by his grace and you start bragging about Jesus, about what he did on the cross. Right? You humble yourself and say, no, I am a sinner, and I have made a mistake, but Jesus paid for my sins, and he doesn't condemn me, so I'm not going to condemn myself. It's time to start preaching the gospel to ourselves. So many of us are walking around beating ourselves up all the time. And so we don't draw near to God because we're like, no, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to be close to you, God. I, I can't go and read the Bible. Or who am I to who am I to stand up at school or work? And I, I just don't deserve it because I said this or I've done this. And, and we're not living out our identity. I love, I remember one of my sons telling me about the biggest guy on his football team. 6'5, 340. And he said, the guy. He was a beast. He said he was the strongest guy on, on, the, on the team. But he'd get out on the field and he'd get so nervous and he's doing this and he's tucking in his shirt and, and, and people would just run him over. And my son said, I went up to him and I said, Do you know that you're the biggest guy on the field? Do you know that you're the strongest guy on the field? He goes, I don't mean to go out there, it's for you to go out there and pride, but you need to know when you walk out that there's no one bigger or stronger and you need to play like who you really are. Say la. <laughs> think about these things, right? You know what he said? He said, my family's always beating me up. They're always telling me how I don't amount to anything, how I'm not good, how I'm not. My son said, you need to believe the truth about who you are. Can I just tell you, Christian, you need to believe the truth about who you are. You know what the Bible says in the book of Peter? It says, you're a chosen people. You're chosen You're a royal priesthood. People talk about the royals and and I'll follow them around the British kingdom. Can I just tell you that you're royal for eternity? You're a holy nation. That's what the Bible says about you. You're holy because Jesus died to pay for your sins and you're bought with his blood and you have royal blood flowing through your veins. And it says this, you're God's special possession. You are special. People might've told you you were nothing in life. No, you are so special. You walk into our room, you are special. We are blessed to know you. And you need to, you know what I do? I speak those things daily over myself because the enemy's just working overtime to condemn you. The enemy's working overtime so that you don't believe that in the spirit, you're six, five, three, 340. Right? But that's who you are, smallest person in here. You step out in the world, man, if I could, we could see you in the spirit, you got muscles on your muscles. You got yoke on your yoke, right? You are, you are big in the spirit, and the enemy is afraid of you. And if you're getting attacked, it is because he knows who you are. You need to know who you are. No one, sir, then neither do I condemn you. All right, let's just review to finish this this message before I get to the last verse. So what are the three things that Jesus does? First, he draws a line in the sand. He gets down, you're being condemned, you're being accused, Jesus draws a line in the sand and says, enemy, you're not coming any closer. Second of all, he stands. He stands between you and your accuser. When you're being accused, you just know King Jesus is with me, he's standing with me, he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me, but the last thing he does is he speaks. You know, you're not just living some religion, men and women, you are living a relationship. You're living a relationship with a God who speaks and that's who you need to hear most. The enemy just keeps talking, jab, 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 jabbering, keeps putting things in your mind, keeps telling you how unworthy you are. And if you keep listening to him, you're doing exactly what he wants because he is so scared of you hearing what Jesus has to say. Because Jesus says two things. I don't condemn you, right? Some of you are like, I could never, I could never come to Jesus or I could never be used by Jesus if you just knew what I did. No, this is an adulterer. Do you know who Jesus chooses to be the most powerful apostle in the Bible? A murderer. Do you know Jesus said was a friend after his own heart? David, who committed adultery, then had the husband murdered. I mean, I, it's, it's insane. Can I just tell you, Jesus says I don't condemn you. So stop listening to that condemnation. Condem- condemnation. But then what does he say to the woman? I love it. He looks at her and says, go. Go and leave your life of sin. It's like you're not stuck. And some of us need to hear that today. He's like, don't stay here. It's time to go. It's time to believe who you are and it's time to leave your life of sin. And and some of you, you hear that and you're like, yeah, but that's impossible. No, because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. If you ask Jesus to come into your life, if you ask him to forgive you, then it's not like, oh, now I'm a Christian in a Christian religion. No, now you are a friend of God, a Christ follower who, You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is actually living in you. You didn't join a religion. You stepped into a relationship with the most powerful being in the universe and he's putting his spirit in you and there's no addiction that you can't overcome. There's no bondage that you can't be set free from. There's no mental pattern that can't be washed in your mind because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. It's time to draw a line in the sand. It's time for you to say, once and for all, that accusation, it's not gonna stop me. That condemnation is not gonna come against me. I believe who Jesus said I am, and I'm gonna walk in that. Let's stand up right now.